Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Front Page 305. All right, welcome to Front Page 305. We are having Frankie Fernandez, my producer. I think we're having some technical difficulties today, brother. Are we not? Yeah. 2020 is 2021, and uh, that was a three-dog night. One is the loneliest number, and I asked Frankie to play that because uh, Front Page 305, once with Carl, Walter Villa, Andre Fernandez. Now it's just down to me. Uh, Manny had bailed. Andre's busy today. So it's just me as your uh, your host. Uh, but fortunately for us, we are joined today by Michelle Coffin from the Miami Herald. I would dare say one of the more versatile sports writers in the nation. So much to talk to her about because among her beats, of course, Miami Hurricane basketball, big win last night, Duke, but um, she has vast experience covering World Cup and all kinds of international soccer, U.S. national team, whooping on Trinidad and Tobago. They beat two countries, I believe, uh, seven nothing <laughs> on Sunday night. And then she also covers uh, tennis, um, you know, has been to so many Olympics and just done a lot of great things. So with that wondrous uh, introduction, uh, with no further ado, Michelle Kaufman, welcome to the front page. Nice to be here. Slam Radio, front page 305. I'm, I'm honored. This is the most popular station in America, I dare say, uh, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, uh, let's start with soccer, that game Sunday night. Uh, USA wasn't fair. USA is on their side. This guy, Jesus Pereira, with two goals, three assists, you know, uh, what can we glean from this? Because, I mean, the competition, you know, wasn't like even one of the better teams in the region like Mexico or maybe Costa Rica. Uh, do we take anything from that performance or, or maybe this Jesus Ferreira guy's for real? What do you think? Well, I think all of these young guys are for real. I mean, yeah, you have to put the game in context. David, uh, Jesus Ferreira is the son of David Ferreira, who was a uh, major league soccer MVP in his day. So, that kid definitely has the genes. Uh, you know, this game against Trinidad and also the game that was uh, in December that was in Fort Lauderdale against El Salvador, which the U.S. won 6 nothing. So they won the last two games 13 to nothing. But both of those opponents were, uh, you know, they were really not worthy opponents. Um, El Salvador and Trinidad and Tobago, because of COVID, uh, you know, Trinidad and Tobago shut down their domestic league altogether. Their team had not played since 2019. This was their first game in over a year. Uh, El Salvador also had similar issues, so they brought a team that was really not. They even, I heard, picked up some local. You know, I think they went to some local El Salvadoran restaurant and went into the back and said, do any of you guys play soccer? Can you come out and play against the U.S. national team? So, oh, my. Um, yeah, neither of those two teams are, are really the true teams from those not from those countries. However, um, what I will say about the U.S. national team under Greg Berhalter, the coach, is this is the generation right now, <clears throat> the young generation of under-23s right now, is everybody is saying, every expert, every schmexpert, me, everyone is saying this is the golden generation of American soccer. This is the best collection of American guys that we've ever seen. Um, and, you know, we're already seeing it because they are playing on the top teams in Europe. And in the past, you know, American goalkeepers would get jobs in England, you know, like Tim Howard and Casey right. Kelly. You know, guys would get jobs in England and they could play in England. But it was really right. just goalkeepers in England. And that was our big contribution to European soccer. Now, right now, there are 10, 10 players from the U.S. national team that played on Champions League teams this year, and most of them are under 23. You have Christian Pulisic with Chelsea, Weston McKennie with Juventus. You have two guys on Barcelona, Conrad, who's from Miami, by the way, 305, a Haitian-American, 19-year-old. Goes Miami, by one name, Florida. right? He goes by one name. That's how good he is. Conrad with a K. Remember the name. He plays on Barcelona. Serginho Dest plays on Barcelona. You have Chris Richards with Bayern Munich, Gio Reyna, son of Claudio Reyna on Dortmund. Right. So you have a whole bunch of players who are playing on the field, not just in goal, playing for, for Dortmund, for Bayern Munich, for uh, you know Barcelona, for Juventus and Chelsea. 
Then on top of that, you've got a young group in MLS that's really, really good. Really talented players. Also, a lot of them 23 and under. So the great thing that I think, you know, Greg Berhalter is a really good coach for this particular era of players because he spent 12 years in Europe as a player. And then he came to MLS and he's coached in MLS. He's played in MLS. So he knows the American system. He knows the American mentality. But he also spent 12 years in Europe and, you know, even coached in Europe. So he is a really good coach for this group because he's going to have to blend. They really do have almost two teams that he's dealing with. He's dealing with the Europe-based guys and the MLS-based guys. And by the way, the MLS guys, which are the guys that you saw against Trinidad and Tobago and, and El Salvador, for the most part, they were MLS guys. The thing about those guys is they are hearing so much about these American stars in Europe that they want to prove like, hey, we're good too. You know what I mean? They have a little bit of a, a U.S. chip on their shoulder like, okay, we know that we love all those guys in Europe. They're our buddies, but we're good players too. You can be a great player and still stay in MLS. You don't have to go to Europe. So there are really two camps of players on this national team. One of them is based in the U.S. and MLS. The other group is based in Europe. And Greg Verhalter's job is going to be to figure out the perfect blend of those two groups. And this is going to be a really, really busy year because you have the Olympics, if they happen. Olympic qualifying. If the Olympics mm-hmm. happen. Right. Uh, if, if the Olympics happen in Tokyo this summer, the qualifying starts in March. And uh, so right. you've got under 23 players. And the U.S., by the way, the U.S. men, have not made the Olympics three of the last four. The U.S. men have not made three of the last four Olympics. So this is a really big deal. They want to make the Olympics. I think they will with the talent they have. I cannot imagine them not making it. But anyway, so you've got the Olympics and Olympic qualifier coming up in the next few months. Then World Cup qualifiers start in September. And then you have the Gold Cup in July. So it's a very busy year on the soccer calendar, on the international calendar. And Greg Berhalter and his assistant coaches, um, you know, have to do a really good job of putting all the puzzle pieces in place. Who should be on the national team? Who should be on the U.S., you know, under-23 team for the Olympics? And who do we save for the World Cup team? So there's a lot going on this year with, with U.S. soccer. But there's definitely a lot of young, really good players, both here and abroad right now. Frankie, my producer, if he's still there, that's how much Michelle knows that was one question folks and uh, just all this great information <laughs> and you know I, I love USA soccer and I know it's going to be a busy year Michelle and, and also the the qualifying and then Qatar right for the World Cup and USA I heard uh, practicing in a furnace because of the heat conditions isn't that right it's going to be super hot out there uh, in Qatar Oh, yeah. I mean, they're talking about trying to air condition the outdoor stadium somehow. Yeah, I mean, it gets to be 111, 117 degrees in the summer. There was some talk of moving the World Cup to the winter, but that's, I don't think that'll ever happen because that would make every league in the world uh, except MLS, which plays opposite the rest of the world. But the rest of the world plays their league schedule in the winter. So, um, you know, I don't see them moving the World Cup. That would really upset the calendar completely. Um, but, yeah, it's extremely, extremely hot in Qatar, like in the teens, 112, 114. Also, they, they don't usually allow alcohol anywhere uh, in public right. places. So that would be a major problem at a World Cup where massive amounts of beer and other alcoholic beverages are consumed. So right. there are going to have to definitely be some adjustments. Um, and also, you know, yeah, that- female fans. Uh, yeah, we like well, to, you know, women like to watch soccer be, these days. Huh? Yeah, hopefully there'll be fans by then. But that was part of the, you know, World Cup is, uh, you know, and FIFA has been, there's been a lot of corruption. They picked these sites and that seemed to be a really bad selection, but we'll see how it plays out. And also commenting on one of your comments from earlier saying that this is seen as the golden age for USA soccer. I know that a kid, Christian Pulisic in Europe, if I'm pronouncing his name, I didn't butcher it too badly. Um, you know, I know he's really good and he's kind of like, he's kind of the it guy, but you know, 
a, a shout out to the, the previous generations, you know, Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey. Those are some pretty terrific players. So if it turns out that these guys are really better, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, prove it to me uh, type of thing. Uh, but it certainly is exciting to know that they have that talent. Let's see if it comes to fruition. Let's see if they win big games. That'll be really exciting. Michelle, um, before we run out of time, because I love to talk to you, you have so much knowledge to, to impart in all your years covering sports and, and all, these, um, all, these, all these different beats that you have. I want to talk a little bit about Kane's uh, Hoop. Obviously, they had that big win last night against Duke. And, yes. you know, it was a great win. But, but my viewpoint was it's just disappointing what's happened this year, Hurricanes basketball, what's happened the last three years. First with the FBI thing, and then and, and what became of that? But it really halted Miami's recruiting. Nothing really came of it in terms of specific charges against Miami coaches, but it halted recruiting. There was a year Miami didn't sign anybody at all, and that just messes everything up. And then and then just the unfathomable amount of injuries the last three years really is just they don't fill out to their 15 scholarships, which is a bugaboo for me, and they don't really like deep teams. And then they have just even if they had filled to 15, there's no way they could have survived the amount of injuries that, that, that they were hit with this year. Players like Chris Likes and, and Timberlake, the freshman who's really good and, and on infinitum. But I want to get your take on all that, Michelle. But I wanted to first uh, direct you to the Matt Cross situation. Really good player. Really liked his game. A freshman. Really good shooter. But just the way he moves without the ball, gets tip-ins, tough guy. Miami is short. And it at that time only had six scholarship players. And yet that guy gets run off the team. Of course, Miami won't say what the real deal is. So I guess my first question on Hurricanes Hoops is, what have you found out, if anything, on Matt Cross? And just what do you think of running him off at a time when they're so badly shorthanded with only six scholarship players? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't reveal everything I know, just out of courtesy to the people who told me. But I will tell you, it was... There was just a, um, a personality conflict, you know, is the best way that I can explain it. It just, the, the kid is obviously a really good player. They love him as a player. There's no question. Coach L loved him. Coach L was very close with his AAU coach. Um, you know, it's the same AAU coach as Bruce Brown. Uh, so, you know, he really liked the kid. The kid clearly came in and, you know, I did a profile on him after two games, you know, after he was, uh, he came into the starting lineup as a freshman. He's a really good three-point shooter. Coach L said at the time, this guy, is, you know, he'll do anything to win. Um, and when they won the first three games, everything was okay. When they started losing and the injuries started coming and things started going downhill, uh, that's when people's personalities and the team chemistry is really tested is the best way that I can word it. Um, and there were some issues there with – Coach L's philosophy and the way he wanted to approach the difficulties and some of the frustrations that Matt was having, some of the frustrations the team was having, um, you know, the way all I can say is that, and Coach L said it in his own words the other day when I asked him, he said, you know, when everything was going fine, things were good, but then things happened and I do things a certain way. And you have to buy into my approach. And if you don't, you will be unhappy and it will not make it a good fit. So you can read there between the lines. What really happened is, you know, the team was struggling. Things were not going well. He had a couple of games that he didn't do well against Notre Dame right. and against the game before. I don't remember. He had two games in a row that he struggled a little with his shooting. He was getting frustrated. This is a guy who is extremely competitive. That's one of the reasons they loved him. Um, but yeah, it happened right after he went over four in one game, which was really not like him. And then right. I was wondering if maybe I thought maybe they didn't want him because I thought he should shoot more. If anything, he was unselfish because he's such a good shooter and he makes good every time he touches the ball, good things happen in my view. And I was wondering if maybe they were curtailing him from being able to shoot because He's one of the few really pure shooters they have on that team. You know how much they struggle in yeah, the three-point. Yeah, I don't think so. No, no, no. I, they would like to have three-point shooters, so I don't think that's what it was. I don't think it was anything about his game or philosophy. I don't, I don't believe that it was anything about the philosophy of how he was playing or what they wanted him to do. I think it was more just um, frustrations and attitude issues where he just, you know, he was not happy with 
the way Coach L wanted to go about things going through this really tough patch. They had some differences. And Coach L just basically said, you know, it's hard enough going through a really rough patch, which they are. When everybody's on the same page, it's hard enough. But if you have players who are not on the same page or are not buying in to what you're saying, that can be a problem. And it can be contagious, you know, on any team. My daughter's been on teams when there are players who just have a different attitude or are not trusting what the coach is saying necessarily or something like that. Um, you know, then it can it can be a problem. So I was very surprised for Coach L to cut a player in the middle of the season, like you said, when they only had six people to begin with, and to cut it down to possibly five if, if you know, Isaiah Wong's injury had been worse um, with the ankle, they would have been talking about having five players. And so for him to cut Matt Cross at this point, I thought, wow. And the way it was done, just a, a one-sentence statement that said, Matt Cross is no longer with the team effective immediately, period. There was yep. no quote that said, we wish him the best, nothing like that. You know, thank you for your hard work. We miss him the, wish him the best in the future. No, it was just like, bye, he's no longer part of this team. So that was very uncharacteristic um, of any UM coach, to be honest. Um, you know, in any sport, usually they, they do it differently. And, and um, so it definitely raised my antenna and I made a lot of calls. But it really does seem that it was not, you know, he's still in school. It's not like he committed any crime. He's still in school. He was not kicked right. off the team for a quote-unquote disciplinary reason or anything like that. He's still in school. There was just a difference of philosophy, a difference of opinion, and uh, yeah. he was not apparently buying in to Coach L and all of his, you know, how Coach L, you know how he is. He's, right. he's you know, I'm not like buying. To, I'm not buying into nothing. Coach L either. It's three years in a row of this. <laughs> but listen, hey Michelle, we got to run. Because I'm long. I love talking to you. I'm going to give you like a minute or a okay. minute and a half. Give me like a pinch me moment, like when you were in covering an Olympics or first Olympics or World Cup. Give me one quick final story, and then we'll run a commercial. Go. One quick Olympic story. Okay. Well. I or woke up, or very... woke up, just somewhere you were in the world, maybe that you like, you know, maybe when you were starting out, what, what was it? Do you have anything? Like, I know I'm putting you on a spot without no, any. No, I, have, uh, any I, no I, have, I have, I have many moments. I covered 14 Olympics and six World Cups. So this could be a three hour show, but I won't do that. Um, no, but what <laughs> I can tell you is my very, my very first Olympics, I was 27 years old. I was working at the Detroit Free Press. They sent me to the Winter Olympics in Albertville, France. And I was sitting there. In the French Alps, I remember like it was yesterday, and wow. I'm now 55 years old, and I was 27. Um, I was 27, sitting in the French Alps, and the opening ceremony is going on in front of my very eyes, and I started bawling because I could not believe that that was my job. I am like, how could Michelle Kaufman from Miami Killian High School, from the Cougars Roar to the Miami Hurricane to the St. Pete Times, to the Detroit Free Press, how could I be 27 years old, sitting in the French Alps, covering a winter freaking Olympics? I could not believe that was my job. I could not believe I was being paid to do that. And I got really emotional. And that is the first of many lloraderas that I had at Olympics over the years. <laughs> there, have been a, there have been a lot of really emotional moments. I, I will just say, it'll be one sentence here. When Israel won its first gold medal, when I was in Greece at the Athens Olympics, and Israel won its first gold medal, and I was there for that, and being Jewish and knowing that all the Jews that were massacred at the Olympics in 1972, Munich, to be there when Israel won the first gold medal and see that flag with the Jewish star of David going up the middle flagpole, forget all objectivity. I was blubbering like you would not believe, crying all over the place and singing the Israeli national anthem. So, you know, there have been some real emotional moments for me at the Olympics. And also, by the way, going to Cuba to cover the Pan Am Games. My family's Cuban-Jewish. So to cover the Pan Am Games in Cuba in 1991 was another amazing experience. So I can say that this job has taken me to places in the world I never thought I would go. And I've had some really emotional moments along the way. There you go. That's Michelle Kaufman. Catch her work in the Miami Herald from the French Alps to her appearance on front page 305 is the culmination of a great career. We'll be right back. <laughs> hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This 
is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Here's that song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today, here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Well, you, got the, you forgot that. Oh, the two of us. We're building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers, signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Reader is more than just a radio station but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. Yo, this is K9 and you're listening to Slam Radio Series 6M 145. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Series 6M 145 Slam Radio. Back on Front Page 305, this is Paul here, your host. I'm with what's going on behind the scenes we're having mass technical difficulties i don't know how this show is happening uh it seems like all the technical difficulties happened in between the breaks <laughs> we went to commercial uh so so far uh we're getting through it um and my next guest is the great norberto lopez the assistant coach university of miami hurricanes baseball team and the lead recruiter and the Hurricanes have the number one recruiting class in the name. So says just about everybody, including uh, D1. Okay, so I think he was about to say so does every so, so does everyone else. Uh, Roberto with us here on um, on uh, front page three hundred five. So I'm gonna go ahead and try to help out Walter with his technical difficulties. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an opportunity, Norberto Lopez here from University of Miami, to go ahead and introduce himself. Hey Walter, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Norberto Lopez. I'm with the University of Miami baseball team, and I'm I'm the recruiter at the University of Miami. What's going on, man? Uh, so you just heard Walter talk about the technical difficulties uh, difficulties that we've had. So I'm gonna go ahead and try to. Help him out. I'm going to relieve him a little bit. So I'm a, he called me from the bullpen right now, and I'm about to go ahead and show you my right arm. So I'm going to go ahead and, and ask you about this year's recruiting class because how he just said it's been rated the number one recruiting class in the nation. 
Yeah, no, we're we're uh, we're very fortunate um, to have these players that are great players in the country to want to come to the University of Miami. So that's for sure something that we're lucky to have, and it's it's a good class. And the reason everybody says it's a good class because it's really balanced from the top to the bottom. We got some good young pitchers that came in, and we got very good positional players that came in, which that's kind of hard to do sometimes in a class because you always have the draft that hits you. So we're lucky that the draft was only five rounds, but everybody had to deal with it. But we got we got lucky that we kind of skated through the draft without getting hurt like everybody else did. I think Walter just with us right now. Walter, you back with us? I'm back. I mean, what a what a disaster this has been for me, Coach. Uh, what what did you just say? Sum it up right now, because I don't know where we were <laughs> off in the conversation, and I might get off the air in a second anyway. What did you just What were you just talking about, Coach? Well, they, they, they asked me um, how, you know, to briefly describe the class. And I said, why is it ranked number one? And I said, well, the reason it's ranked number one is we've got some of the top prospects in the country to really want to come to Miami. That's the first reason. But number two, it's a really balanced out class from guys who can, can pitch, some good prospects that can really pitch, and some guys that can really hit that came in and also defend. So that's why when you have that, when you cover all three combinations from pitching, hitting, and defense all in one class, that doesn't happen too often. That's the only way to get a number one class, and we're lucky to get that. You know, and, and there's so many guys that are ranked in the top 100 that came to school, which normally those guys get drafted. Now, we got lucky there was only a five-round draft, but so did everybody else, and we got lucky to get those guys here. Now, how do, you, how do you do it? You know, that was one of the things I was going to ask you. What's the secret to recruiting? I know everybody, not just at UM, but across the country, coaches that I talk to say it's about building relationships. And I, but how do you do that? You know, there's a, there's a lot of work there in terms of, first of all, assessing the talent. And a lot of times assessing the talent at a young age, sometimes it's, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, and you think has a growth potential. So there's that part of the job. So how do you do, how do you, that talent there's so much there's so many players out there who yeah you have a good product to sell in the university of miami but how do you build that relationship how do you you know you just have to be a people person how do you build that relationship with them well first i, I, I want to state you know gino damari was probably one of the best recruiters in the country before i took over so they, they were always getting the players here that's i don't think getting the players weren't the problem the problem was getting them to the university of miami that was a thing. And, and, to, to, I'm gonna, and this is really basically a two-part question because to start off with the beginning, when Gino took over, he told he kind of educated me a lot. And he goes to me, you know what, there's something that we need to start doing. We need to figure out a way to get these guys to understand that coming to college is a better path than going through the right away into the minors, that it will make you move on faster. So what Gino and our whole coaching staff got together, we started brainstorming and we started coming up with ideas and one of them, like you said, is building relationships without a doubt, building relationships, having them on a call list and calling them once a week and keeping up with them and seeing how their family's doing and making them seem that they matter to us. Because what happens a lot of time in college baseball is that you recruit them, you got them committed, and then that's it. You have to. And, and what we said was, guys, we, once we got these guys committed, we got to re-recruit them again. So it's almost like starting all over with them their senior year because you commit these guys. Sometimes they're freshmen and sophomore years. You depend on them calling you because of the rules. They call you, but then your junior year, you got to start that process all over again of building relationships. And now the Zooms make it even more because now we're Zooming with them sometimes once a month and stuff like that or twice a month and Zooming with them and showing them certain PowerPoints that have statistics that have proven that going to college is a better path. And again, you know what they say about statistics, you can always move them in your direction, but we really feel that our statistics are all good across the board, showing them that college is their best path, especially there's certain positions that they're known as the black plague of, of the draft, the right-handed pitcher and catcher. So those guys right there, we've kind of tried to push hard to make sure we don't lose them, or at least let's not lose them for, something that they're not asking for. If they have a dollar amount, we want them to stick to that dollar amount. So G Gino was really the guy who orchestrated all this by saying, hey, man, we got to start thinking outside the box. We got to start coming up with plans. We got to do a better job of keeping these guys because he's, he's Miami's always had good players, but the problem is the draft has always eaten us up alive. That's the problem. 
you know, and we were very fortunate this year. But I don't, answering your question, Walter, without a doubt, yeah. it's, it's so hard. The relationship that you have to build, the time that you have to spend with these guys to show them that they matter is, is one of the biggest processes, for sure. And you, you mentioned Gino Damara, who's doing a great coach. And, of course, JT Arteaga as a pitching coach and a former Hurricanes pitcher. He's, you know, he's – I mean, both of those guys have been around the program for, for so long. Um, coach, I, I think the schedule is just about to start up. And I, I think you start with the Gators, correct? Yes, we do. We do start with the Gators. We go to Gainesville. It'll open up. And, and go to Gainesville. Obviously, um, really, they've had my number quite a bit of late – um, you know, how important is it to get off to a good start and take that series made them so tough with, I don't know, last, seems like last 10 years, man, they've really become national power. Um, so talk about the importance of, of that series and what's made them so good. Do you think Florida? Oh, they're, they're, they're pitching. Their pitching is phenomenal. Their pitching is phenomenal. They're, they're, they're all around. They're all around a good team. They do a great job over there. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan does a great job. So that's something that, you know, he's, he's a good coach and he has good players. So you got to go in there with your A game. And unfortunately, the last, the last couple of years, we haven't played at our best. That's the problem because at the end of the day in baseball, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the best team is and who plays the best that day. I, I thought last year, in my opinion, I thought we were the better team. You know what I mean? That's what right. I thought in my opinion, but we didn't play best that day, you know? So that's the problem. We didn't play as good as we should have been. We didn't execute it when we needed to, and they beat us. Uh, it, it, it would have been interesting to see how Miami would have done had last season played out because it seemed like everything was set up for the Hurricanes to, to, uh, to go a long ways, it, you know, maybe even to Omaha and, and, and do some damage there. But obviously the pandemic had another, uh, another plan. Um, you know, as, as you, as you, uh, I guess last question, we'll wrap this up coach and thanks for joining us all the technical difficulties, but what, what do you think is going to be the key, um, to your team doing well to the hurricanes? Um, you know, is it, is it always just about the pitching or is there another key to look for? It, it starts there. <laughs> you can't, you know, yeah. it, it all, it starts in the mound. That's where it always starts in our game. Um, I think, I think our defense has improved this year. That's something that has always hurt us in the past. And our defense has improved this year. So I can't wait to see that because the guys have really worked hard. And to be honest with you, Walter, we, we need to live up to our offensive reputation. Last year, we, I, I have no doubt that last year we would have ended up being a great offensive club because the guys were there. But I think we started yeah. off you know, getting that number one ranking and going out there and everybody talking about our offense and everybody talking about our offense. And I think our guys put a lot of pressure on themselves at first last year. And then they started learning how to control themselves and they were coming out of it. But like you said, we got cut short with the COVID. I'm dying to see what they do this year after learning that example last year. You know what I mean? That's something that I'm dying to mm -hmm. see. But, uh, you know, if our pitching does what it's always done, because J.D. Arteaga is a hell of a pitching coach and he's always been able for us to be a great pitching club here and with our improved defense this year, you know, and that's why I tell you, I'm dying to find out how our offense is sparked right out of the gate because, you know, you, like you said, we're going to Gainesville, which is probably some of the best pitching in the country and we're going there. And that's, that's a challenge that we're, we're looking forward to, you know, and that's the key, the key. If we can do what we can offensively with this improved defense, we should be a hard club to beat. Yeah, I mean, some of the players to watch, uh, Adrian Del Castillo, a, a catcher, supposed to be a first-round pick, maybe even a high first-round pick, uh, uh, pick rather. Um, Alex Terrell, a lot of power at first base. Yohandi um, Yo-Yo Morales is shortstop, the freshman. He'll play a lot there. I mean, there's just a lot of guys uh, to watch for, and it should be it should be fun at the light this year. Uh, God willing, the uh, uh, we can play the whole season and not be interrupted by the pandemic. But anyway, Coach, Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Really great uh, to have you on the show. And uh, and we'll be right back. We're going to talk Florida Panthers and first play Panthers hockey right after this. Hey, right, well look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 
There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold down. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do why, all of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last up. one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? Hang up on us. Just tell me, no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. Because I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He ate us. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Here's that song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today, Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Yay! Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Yay! Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, it, look, if they pick up two nigga Manuel Apollo, too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. 
But I'm just looking. I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tonga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tonga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tonga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful, but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only Yo, this I is K9 and you're listening to Slam Radio Series 6M 145. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, we're back to Front Page 305. Frankie Fernandez gets the MVP vote today to putting up. This has been terrible. The technical difficulties have been awful. Uh, I, I must have forgotten to pay the uh, internet bill. But anyway, we're uh, we're on for the moment to try to get that from Field Level Media has joined us. Bill, are you there? I am here, Walter. How you doing? You got madness playing, you little baseball talk preceding me. It's pretty exciting time. Yeah, I mean, but, but a lot of technical difficulties, so it's been it's been a pain today to get through this. But uh, let's try to talk some Florida Panthers hockey, something talked about that much in in South Florida. But they're 5-0-1, and, one, and uh, ordinarily you say, well, six games, so what, 82-game season. But this year, it's a the 56 game season only so that makes it a much bigger deal and I want to ask you how's this happened because after last season they let go of Mike Hoff, Genny Dadnoff those are the two top goal scorers um they traded away Mike Matheson and that they had traded away Vinny Trocek who was one of my favorites due to his speed um you know what do you make of this start well, it's funny because the the way they went about fixing it on the offensive end was getting a goal scorer like Anthony Duclair, who has, well, let's see, has no goals through six games and, and six uh, leads the team with six six assists, absolutely. But he brings something that, that Trocek had, which is that speed. I mean, I, I don't think in, I've covered this team by drips and drabs for 12 years, and I, I've he's about the fastest skater I've seen Florida have in that time span. And wow. um, he really makes things he really makes things happen. And I don't worry about the goals because he has a history of being a streaky player. He puts them up in big numbers. And the fact that they're five zero and one, and he hasn't scored uh, says a lot. Carter Verhage on that top line has been outstanding too. And you know, you, you look at the salary cap, and you know, Verhage's be, being paid a million a year over the next two years. Uh, declare one year 1.7 million these guys are going to be guys you're going to hang on to who probably get a pretty good bump here in the future I mean that's that's really in hockey that's that's a very small money that's even less than my salary but that shows you how uh, how yeah. a little amount of money these guys make but uh yeah. you know the other thing I want to ask you was the goaltending um they they made the yeah. big expenditure Sergei Bobrovsky had you know coming off a huge playoff series uh, for the Columbus Blue I think he was going to say the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I don't know where he was going with that, Bill. Yeah, okay. Uh, I can't hear you, Walt, but yeah, uh, a lot tied up in, in goaltending. I can't say enough about, you know, Bobrovsky bouncing back a little bit this year. Uh, Chris has played great uh, in a reserve role, which might be more of a alternating role because um it is a short season and keeping guys fresh 
is uh, is going to be a huge uh, part of the process. So I'm going to go a little different route because I have no idea what direction uh, Walter was going. But in this shortened <laughs> okay. season with this whole pandemic, um, do you think the fans are reacting well to the way this, the, the I guess, like everything has just been redesigned, like whether it's division or conference, like nothing's normal anymore. Have the fans reacted well to yeah. that? Yeah, I think I think fans are excited to have hockey on our end, on Walt and I, you know, as journalists. Um, I mean, it is kind of a crapshoot at times. I mean, you just don't you don't know what's coming. You don't know when an assignment is canceled on our end or what to expect or who's on COVID-19 protocol. But um, I think just having the games is, is a great thing. Managing it on the NHL's end is going to be a real obstacle. I mean, it's something they're going to have to, you know, really get by because, you know, when they were in the bubble, every test came back negative and they were able to get through the playoffs and then Tampa won the Stanley Cup. But um, it, this is a challenge. I mean, we're having games postponed in the past week, you know, from COVID-19. And, you know, you've got taxi squads expanded. You know, they've been brought in. And there more more players are available because of this. But if it's an outbreak, I mean, it could really uh, wipe out a team and really uh, create problems. It, it's going to be a huge uh, accomplishment to get through this season. You know, let's talk about their their drafts in in recent years. Their last six first round picks, none of those guys are producing. Bill Lawson Krause was traded. Uh, where is Henrik Borgstrom right. now? I really don't know. Overseas playing um, up in the air. You know, it's funny that Krause. You know, Lawson Krause was drafted down here in Sunrise, and um, uh, he led the way to getting rid of Dave Boland's contract. I guess that was his great contribution for Florida. Okay, but then, um, you, you look at some of the players that went after Kyle Kyle Connor, and I mean, there's some great players that you know right. were available afterwards. Well, just just, just to finish, Bill. So so okay, so Grouse, that was his contribution. Borgstrom uh, disappointment. Owen Tippett is on the roster, I believe, but he hasn't proven at least not yet to be. He's supposed to be a Mike Hoffman type goals. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's been um, it, it's it's been a tough go, though. The Anton Lundell draft, uh, you know, the last first round selection. Uh, this kid looks like a, a shining star in the making. I mean, he's really um, blossomed overseas. He's very young. Um, there's no rush for him right now, though. He'll be needed down the middle in the center position, you know, uh, in the future. He's got a bright future ahead of him here. <laughs> Bill, man, we so we're gonna have to reschedule with you, man, because this has been tough with Walter. Walter was already left by himself today, and for whatever reason, <sighs> I think he did forget to pay his internet bill, so he's gone already. I'm not even gonna really? get him back in. Uh, we're gonna cut today's show, uh, show short. We definitely need a rain check though, because I love the wealth of information you have, especially hockey. Thanks. I think I think one of the travesties is his hockey isn't discussed as much. Down here in South Florida, I grew up in Chicago. I was born in Chicago. I grew up on hockey. Yeah. And for me, whenever the right. Panthers get into the playoffs, my phone blows up because everybody all of a sudden wants to hang out with me and watch hockey with me. Because for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason, I'm the only person in their existence that actually knows the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think I grew up on WGN. I think that was really my introduction into hockey, really, was was the Blackhawks uh, playing in what? They play in the old Chicago Stadium? or Right, the old um, Chicago Stadium, now the United Center, right. Right, right, and that was that was like that, and the Capitals on USA Network. I'm I'm about Walt's age, so you know, pre you know, cable was really just kind of coming around, so we were able to get some of that. But well, yeah, anytime, man. I, I'm looking. I look forward to it. Real quick, I mean, so I can finish with you since you just started discussing that. One yeah. of the things, that, and I brought up the whole thing with the fan, uh, with the fan reaction to the whole new structure of everything because. We were discussing hockey in the first week, and I had no idea that they had restructured everything. And I'm, I'm used to the Hawks being right. on the Western Conference, which is weird because the Bulls oh, yeah. and basketball are in the Eastern Conference, so we, we were never sure yeah. which is which. And then all of a sudden it shows that the Hawks and the Panthers are in the same division, and we're going to be watching the Hawks like six times this year. And I'm like, wow, this is, really, yeah. this is incredible. Unfortunately, we can't go to the game, yeah. so I can't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Now you're down here, right? Yeah, I'm down here. So you can't, I mean, you know, the Panthers are one of the three teams that allow attendance. So it's, you know, you can, there are only three teams. I think it's them, Dallas, and Arizona are the only three teams that have fans in the stands. Very limited, 
you know, I think the Panthers are allowing 5,000 people, but 5,000 people can make a lot of noise in an empty arena. Yeah, it's 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 a you little know? tough, though, because I see, like, all the regulations and stuff going into games, especially now the Heat have yeah. the COVID-sniffing dogs. And I went to yeah. a hurricane game earlier this year, and I had a tough time with the whole mask thing. And it's I start asking myself a question. As much as I miss live sports, how much do I want to go through just to try to get a little snippet of live sports when I'm not necessarily enjoying the entire atmosphere because the crowds yeah. aren't there? I took my son, my younger son, to a University of Tennessee game at the end of the year against Texas A&M up in Knoxville. And uh, that's a huge stadium, holds 106,000 people, and I think there were 15 there. And it's just not the same when you're used to 100. I mean, you know, it's if you've ever been to the Orange Bowl when it was jam-packed for a big game, I mean, there's nothing like it. And uh, I, I feel, felt kind of ripped off a little bit, but we went anyway. But hopefully we'll get back to her there, I mean, you know, and just keep at it. And um, But, uh, yeah, maybe make it to a game and uh, and we'll get at it. But, yeah, anytime, anytime you guys need me, let me know. I'm kind of here at home doing that home writing thing. So, Frank, uh, Frank the Tank, closing out front page 305, I – everything going wrong around here but it is what it is that's something you're never going to see around here again me closing out a show but I, I gotta do what I gotta do I gotta be the reliever for my boys over here the right arm coming in to close out the game we're gonna go ahead and just say goodbye for the day look at that bro the guy, the guys got me all shook we're gonna say goodbye for the day come back next week more from page 305 here on Slam Radio, Series 6M, 145. The views and opinions expressed on front page 305 are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. This is TJ Holmes with Good Morning America, and you are listening to Slam Radio. Slam Radio is proud to present the Slam Rundown on Series XM Channel 145. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Slam Radio XM. With this whole COVID-19 pandemic going on, it's been raising a lot of questions. One of the most common being, will we be back in school by August? The way I see it, I think we will, because two months is a good amount of time, enough to see a lot of improvement. I know when I go outside, I see a lot of people wearing masks, wearing the correct protection, and honestly, that just makes me feel more safe and more sure that we are going to be back in school by